one of the things that we believe as a church and really a cornerstone belief of Christianity is this truth that God became one of us. That God left heaven's throne, slipped into the sandals of humanity, put on human skin, and became one of us. The Apostle John walked with Jesus, talked with Jesus for uh, about three years that Jesus had his ministry here on earth. And the Apostle John walked with him, talked with him, experienced everything that Jesus did firsthand. And he came to this conclusion that God became a man. That God put on the sandals of humanity, put on the skin of humans and became a human being. The creator became part of the creation. He believed that and began to tell everybody that. It frustrated the emperor Domitian so much that he wanted to put the apostle John to death. But by this point, they had already executed the other disciples that followed Jesus. And they realized at this point, the evidence showed that when they, they took the life of one of the apostles, ten more people, ten more believers, ten more Christians would pop up. So he decided that's probably not the best plan. Instead, he exiled him to Patmos. And while he was on Patmos, exiled to Patmos, he wrote several books that are in our New Testament. First, second, third John. Those were original uh, titles. Um, and then Revelation. And then in addition to that, he wrote about his account, his experience, what he had seen, what he had heard in his gospel the Gospel of John. He came to the conclusion that Jesus was indeed God. And then he saw this man who he thought was God, the, the one who he had concluded was, was God in flesh. He saw him arrested. He saw him, his arms stretched out. He saw his hands nailed to a cross. He saw his feet nailed to a cross. He saw Jesus breathe his last pulled off of the cross, put into a borrowed tomb. And he changed his conclusion. No, not the Son of God. The Son of God is not nailed to a cross. The Son of God doesn't breathe his last. The Son of God does not get put into a borrowed tomb. Three days later, he saw... Jesus, rise from the grave, once again changed his conclusion. Yep, Son of God. Indeed, God has come and has lived among us. The Creator became creation. And so he wrote down what he had seen and what he had heard while he was exiled to the, to the Isle of Pass. And here's what... This man, the Apostle John, who was with Jesus, his entire earthly ministry, here is how he condensed, this is how he summarized what he came to conclude about Jesus. In John chapter 1, verse 14, he said, The Word, Jesus, God, became flesh and dwelt. That word dwelt means tabernacle, lived. He hung out. He was a man. Dwelt. 
lived here among us. The creator God, the God who breathed, and everything that is, was. <laughs> Became one of us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. That is what the Apostle John concluded. God became a man and dwelt among us. Now, for us here in southwest Missouri, I mean, that's the, be- the buckle of the Bible belt. I mean, you're not going to come across very many people that, that have a hard time with that statement. That you're not going to get a whole lot of pushback. But when you step back a little bit and you think, wait a minute, the creator became the created? That'll blow your mind. <clears throat> and the question that I want to look at this morning, explore this morning, is why? Why in the world would God become a man? Why in the world would God descend from his throne, slip into the sandals of humanity, put on skin, and become one of us? Why would he do it? I think there's a lot of reasons. In fact, I thought about doing a whole series on it. And maybe we will in the future. But this morning, I want to look at one. I want to look at one reason that God became a man. And I want to, this is Palm Sunday. I want to... Uh, the, the start of, of the climax of what we believe, the week that, that, that really climaxes the entire story of, of the Bible. And so I want to look at Palm, the story of Palm Sunday as we get ready for the Passion Week. And hopefully answer the question, at least one of the reasons why God would become one of us. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John chapter 12. John chapter 12, I want to tell you the story, and then we'll look at how John summarizes this story of the Passover, or I'm sorry, of of the triumphal entry of Palm Sunday. Before we do, I want to tell you what always comes to my mind whenever I think about Palm Sunday. Uh, The church that I grew up in, uh, like any good church in the 90s, had an Easter production. And uh, we had our production, your church probably had their production as well. Uh, for Easter, we called it Living Pictures, and we did it every year, and this particular year, I was 10 or 11 years old, I don't remember, I don't remember exactly, and um, the way uh, I was in Living Pictures, I was a part of this Easter production, well, um, the way that we started out the, the production that year was we had like a, a kind of a, a market scene, and so everybody in the, in the, in the play would walk out and talk to the people in the crowd, kind of get them involved, have a little interaction to start off our production that year in, in the market. Well, I was uh, a thief that year, this little 10, 19 year old thief. You may think that really fits me well. I hope not, but you know, my son would probably disagree. Um, but I was a little thief. My job was to go up, steal bread, steal uh, like fruit out of the baskets of the ladies that were also in this play. Well, the, this particular night, the, the, the production started, we had this market scene, and uh, I was doing playing my part. I was the thief, stealing the bread. Well, during the market scene, Barabbas would be released from the back of the auditorium. Whenever he was released, the uh, Roman soldiers, the guys that played the part of the Roman soldiers, 
would go down the aisle where he was, would arrest him, take him away, and at that point, that's when Jesus would come in on a donkey, we actually had a donkey, put him on the donkey, and would ride down the, the aisle there next to the pews for the triumphal entry. Everybody in the market, take out their palm branches, start waving them, take off their cloaks, put it down for this donkey to walk on. Well, this one night, I was playing my part. This is exactly what happened. Barabbas comes out. The Roman soldiers corner him, you know, uh, go to arrest him. And myself, this little thief that I was playing, got caught in between the Roman soldiers and Barabbas. Both of these guys were huge. Not just two guys. There was about three or four Roman soldiers. All of those four or five guys were big, huge guys. Probably not as big as I remember them. But in my mind, these guys were like 6'4", 285. We're talking like offensive line uh, kind of stuff. Well, I get caught in between them. One of the soldiers coming up to, to arrest Barabbas goes around him to grab his arm. And when he's doing that, he punches me in the eye. And I crumble into the floor. I mean, I was, I was just drunk. It was right there. I figured out I'd never get in a fight again. I was running out of fire kind of thing. Because I got I got knocked out. Just crumbled right there. They arrest Barabbas, walk him out. I get, pull myself up, and I run. My eye is already bloodshot, already black and blue. I run out the back of the auditorium, right by Jesus and the donkey, and all of the waving palm branches. That is what I think about when I think about Palm Sunday. Probably not the, uh, the you know, the most uh, worshipful thing or, or sacred thing. But every time I think about Palm Sunday, I think about running past Jesus and the donkey after getting punched in the face. <laughs> now, I don't know if a thief got punched in the face when Jesus really um, entered Jerusalem that day. But I do know this. There were, there were a lot of things going on. There's a lot of stuff going on that Sunday when Jesus showed up in Jerusalem. And one of the big things that was happening is this. Jesus was showing us once and for all why he came. Why he put on human skin and slipped it to the sandals of humanity. Let me set up the story before we jump into the scriptures. Jesus has just recently healed, or not healed, he actually raised Barabbas from the dead. You remember the story. Barabbas dies four days later. Jesus shows up and he's weeping. He's sad because his friend has died. And Jesus calls him. Well, first of all, he says, I want you to move the stone. And the guys are like, Jesus, you want us to move the stone? And, and the King James, I think, says it best. It's, it, they, they remind Jesus that he stinketh. <laughs> and it's true, he stinketh. But Jesus said, move the stone. And that's exactly what they did. And Jesus, with power that only he has, said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came forth and rose from the dead. Word began to spread that Jesus had performed this miracle. Word became, began to spread that Jesus had raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. And people were getting excited about this. In fact, they were so excited that word was 
word on the street was, maybe this is the Messiah. This is the King of Israel that we've been waiting for for hundreds of years. Maybe he has finally showed up. And so that's the word on the street when Jesus heads into Jerusalem. The other three Gospels tell us that when they're outside of Jerusalem, he and his disciples are, are headed the, the, towards the, the city when he pulls two disciples, two particular disciples, aside. And he says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I need you to run ahead to the village. When you get there, you're going to find a little donkey. You're going to find a little colt that's never been ridden before. I want you to untie it and bring it back to me. These two disciples obey Jesus. They run ahead. Jesus told them, if they ask, if the owner asks, why do you need this, the colt? Say that the Lord needs the colt. They run ahead. They obey Jesus. He runs to the village. They find the donkey just as Jesus said they would. They untie him. The owner comes out and says, what do you need the donkey for? The Lord has need of your colt. They, the, the owner says, okay, no problem. These two disciples take the colt back to Jesus. When they get there, the other disciples take off their cloaks, set it on the donkey, and Jesus climbs up on the donkey to head to Jerusalem. When they get to Jerusalem, you remember the scene. Jesus goes down the street on the donkey. The crowds, historians tell us, because it was the week of Passover, that there were probably about two and a half million people that had descended on Jerusalem. This, the city was swelling with people. Two and a half million people, all of which probably had heard about this miracle that Jesus performed, that rat Lazarus has been raised from the dead. In fact, um, historians also tell us that many of those uh, people that were heading to Jerusalem probably stopped by Bethany, which was about two miles outside of the city, just for the chance to see Lazarus. And to ask him if the, the word on the street was true. So many of these people probably went by Bethany, talked to Lazarus themselves, found out that he really was raised from the dead before they went into Jerusalem themselves. So this city was hopping. And the word on the street was Jesus, this guy that we've been waiting for, this Messiah, the one who was going to be king of Israel, has finally showed up. And proof was that he raised his friend Lazarus from the dead. Jesus comes into Jerusalem. And they line the streets with palm branches, signs of victory. They take out their cloaks and they lay it on the, the, the street for the donkey to walk on. It's symbolizing, you're, you're my master. You are over me. You're the one who is over my life. I will do whatever you say. You're the one in charge. Jesus walks down the street and they yell, Hosanna, Hosanna. The one who saves, blessed are you who comes in the name of the Lord. Here's how the Apostle John puts it in, in John 12, starting in verse 12. It says, the next day, the large crowd of two and a half million that had come to the feast of Passover heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. And they thought he was going to be the Messiah, the king of Israel. Next verse. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, Savior, the blessed one, the, the king, blessed are you 
who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. Next verse. Jesus found a young donkey, sat on it, just as it is written. And here, the apostle John goes back to Zechariah 9.9. And it shows how the prophecy that was given in Zechariah 9.9 has been fulfilled in the person of Jesus. Look at what happens. Fear not. So he's quoting, the apostle John is quoting Zechariah. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Next verse. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. So, the Apostle John gives us kind of an insight to what's going on with the disciples. He's he's telling us, look, when Jesus was coming in on a colt, on a donkey that had never been written, we didn't really understand it. I, I really think he's actually talking broader than, the, than just this particular story. I think he's talking about this entire week. We didn't understand what was going on when Jesus was arrested, when he was tried, illegally I might add, when he was tied to a, a tree and whipped 40 times with 40 lashes. We didn't understand when he went to the cross. We didn't understand what was going on. But when we look back, when we see after Jesus was glorified, after he rose from the dead and went up to heaven, when we look back on those events, we get it. We got it. And the conclusion is the same. Jesus was indeed God in the flesh. Next verse. The crowd that had been with him, when he called Lazarus out of the tomb, raised him from the dead, continued to bear witness. Next verse, please. The, the reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard what he had done. That when they heard that he had done, that when, easy for me to say. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they heard he had done this sign. They had heard that he raised Lazarus from the dead. Next verse, so the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So the Apostle John tells us that Jesus shows up on the scene, riding a donkey up. The streets are lined with people. And they're worshiping him. They're worshiping him. They're they're lifting him up. They're saying, you're the one that's over us. You're the king of Israel. You're the one we've been waiting for for hundreds and hundreds of years. You're finally on the scene. You are large and you're in charge. The Pharisees, they wanted him dead. But John tells us that there was nothing they could do about it because, excuse me, Jesus was so popular with people. They wanted him off the scene. They wanted him dead and gone. But they knew they couldn't touch him or the crowds would turn against him. Jesus was the man of the hour. And yet, you know the story. This is Sunday by Thursday. Jesus will be arrested. He'll be tried. The Roman officials will stand up before these very same people that line the, the, the road and say, look, I don't find any fault with him. 
He hasn't done anything wrong. I don't understand why you want him dead. In fact, I'm going to give you another out. I got this guy, Barabbas. He's a murderer. It's obvious. He deserves to die. And then I have Jesus, the one who I find no fault in. I've got both of these prisoners. I will release one to you. Do you want the murderer? Or do you want the man who has not done anything wrong? And the very same people who lie in the street shouting Hosanna stood before the Roman official and said, Give us Barabbas. Give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus. Crucify him. Crucify him. How in the world could they change so drastically and so suddenly in in, in just a few short days? And I think when you're looking at the text and you're reading the the different accounts, it is obvious that the crowds were worshiping a God of their own making. They were worshiping a God that they created themselves. Their desire was to have a king that would come and overthrow Rome. Their their desire, what they wanted, what they longed for, was a king, a king of Israel, who would come and who would would overthrow the, the, the monarch, the empire, the Roman empire, and would set up an Israelite Empire, one like the Old Testament, who would would reestablish what they had lost from the Old Testament. They were looking for a king, an earthly king, who would overthrow. The earthly government that they were under. And when Jesus did not turn out to be that guy, they turned on him. When Jesus did not end up being the Messiah that they created themselves, they turned on him. And they wanted him dead. He was a God of their own making. And when he refused to be that God, the God that they desired, the God that they set up, the God that they wanted, that's when they turned on him. So it brings us back to the question that we ask at the very beginning. Why would Jesus become a man? And I think the answer lies in the the crowd's response and in who Jesus really was. They desired an earthly king. They desired a temporary king. They desired a physical king. Jesus God in the flesh came to this earth to be so much more than that. He he came to this earth to set up a throne, to set up a kingdom, a spiritual one, one that that, uh, changes hearts, that changes lives, that raises people spiritually from the dead, one that would last forever. That is why Jesus came. That is why God put on the sandals of humanity. He would never 
and never will conform and be a God that we make up for ourselves. He will not be a means to an end. He's too big for that. And so Jesus, the Messiah, came to rule and to reign and to reign forever. And the crowds missed him because they worshipped a God of their own making. I want to read what I have in my notes. I can find it. I put, why did God become one of us? Not to conquer by force and reign as an earthly king like the crowds expected, but instead to conquer sin through love, grace, mercy, and his own sacrifice for sinners. He did not set up a temporary kingdom like the crowds wanted, but an eternal kingdom for those who have been forgiven. He did not conquer nations. He did not conquer conquer empires like, like the crowds wanted but to capture individual hearts and minds and breathe life into them. He came not to conform into a God of our own making, but to transform our lives from death into life. That is why God became a man. And if you're looking for a God of our own making, of your own making, of our own making, you're looking to, to fit God into a, a, a little box of our own making, you'll be just like the crowds on, on the original Palm Sunday and miss Him entirely. So, this morning, I challenge you Challenge us to worship God for who He is, not a God of our own making. Or we'll miss Him. And we'll miss the life that He brings. Something to think about this week.